Live from Studio E down here in Central Florida, I am your host, Steve Elkins, and this is Off the Beaten Path. Today's date is April 16th, 2023. It's been a full week of news and sound bites, and news that's being passed off as real news, much of which I would call the fake news. The time is now to be vocal. Silence is implied consent. Please visit the RBN website for great resource Articles and provocative insight and share what you have learned. That's republicbroadcasting.org. My email address is off the beaten path, Steve at gmail.com. And our phone call and number is 512-248-8252. Well, it's nice to be back in the chair here at Studio E. Uh, what a long, strange road I have traveled just going to give you a little recap here before we get into the news tonight. What actually happened? Jeez, this one took me by surprise. My health predicament, I got it wrong. Well, partially wrong. Speaking about my symptoms of cardiac weakness, yes, I did have cardiac weakness. There was something going on with my heart. I assumed I'd picked up a virus and it attacked my heart. Soon after, I had that illness where I lost my voice and I had to take off some time from work. Strange has never happened before I lost my voice. So uh, <clears throat> that's partially correct. I, I did not diagnose myself correctly. I was a little off, just a little bit off. The signs I had, the symptoms I had, kind of seemed like myocarditis. I had exertional exertional dyspnea. I'd be walking around and I'd have to stop and take a breath, breath and and take a little rest here. I just did not have the cardiac in me even to go down to the mailbox. I went down to the mailbox and came back and I was like, geez, that took a lot out of me. Something's going wrong here. My color was off. My energy level was gone. Something was definitely going wrong. I started thinking at first maybe the virus I had had tripped up kind of kicked off my Epstein-Barr virus. If you understand chronic fatigue syndrome, then you'll understand this one. And basically, I just uh, I thought, well, I'm, I'm just tired and I'm weak and I'm worn down because of the virus. So now my Epstein-Barr's come out. And this is going to take a little while of good nutrition, rest, sleep, and uh, I'll, I'll get it back, right? No, it didn't happen. didn't happen. Well, I went to the hospital through the ER on the 25th of March, Saturday. I decided on Friday, I said, this is uh, going on too long. I, I can't beat this one. I don't know what's wrong here. I put myself on a regimen of daily aspirin, baby aspirin, for probably two weeks when I started feeling that, that something was wrong here with my cardiac. And it also, I thought, since it might be myocarditis, the inflammatory process itself, I'll put myself on a regimen every six hours of um, acetaminophen. And I did that around the clock for 14 days. 
And I finally said, you know what? I'm not getting any better. I'm getting worse. My blood pressure is low. My baseline blood pressure runs in the 120s over the 70s. My heart rate runs in the 50s, easy, low 60s. My heart rate now was running at 88 to 90 or higher at rest, at rest. My blood pressure now was right around 94 to 96 or so, systolic over 40s, 45, 48. Um, there was something definitely wrong here. And uh, I had to figure out what it was. So I went into the ER on the 25th of March. And I get there, and then right away they look at me. And they go, you know, your color's off. You don't look good. Here's, they put me in a wheelchair. I can walk. No, no. Stay in the wheelchair. Wheelchair. I'm glad I did. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's figure out what's going on. Let's get some labs done on here first to figure out what's going on, and then we'll take it from there. Sounds about right. So I did some blood draws. I did a, a couple chemistry panels there. Check out my electrolytes, how I was doing there. Not too bad. Kidney function was doing fine. What was really interesting was my CBC, my complete blood count. My hemoglobin, my hemoglobin was 6.1. A normal hemoglobin for a male is about 13.5 to 17.5. I was 6.1. That's in critical stage. My hematocrit was right around 22. I think it was 21.8. A normal hematocrit for a male is 41 to 50%. That tells you these, these values here were nearing critical blood values. If I had waited probably another week just to see if I could lick this on my own or figure it out on my own, I would probably not be here today. So like I said, I went through the ER and uh, I spent nine days in the hospital. And uh, it was an amazing time. Uh, I'd learned quite a bit. I actually did some teaching. And I'll talk about that here a little bit. <clears throat> the deficiencies that I found in the hospital, the healthcare system, very, very alarming. Very concerned about that. So now we know my blood values are low. What's going on? You're bleeding. You're bleeding. Yeah, somewhere. I don't know where. Okay. As high-strung a guy uh, I am, I, I'm thinking, well, maybe I have a gastric ulcer. Okay, but wait a minute here. Gastric ulcers, if you have a bleed in your stomach, a gastric ulcer, you typically process the blood. It comes out in stool, and it's nasty-looking, and it smells terrible, and it's tarry-looking. You have tar dark, tarry stools. I had none of that. I had none of that. So that, that doesn't – okay, probably it's not going to be a gastric ulcer. Where else – what am I – what am I losing? Where am I losing blood? So we did an EGD, the uh, esophageal gastric uh, procedure there. And like I said, nothing gastric-wise. There's no ulcer. So let's go below. Let's do one below here. We do the colonoscopy. Nice to have those done. Uh, the last time I had one done is at age 50 years old. Unremarkable, both the upper and the lower. No polyps, nothing. Clean bill of health. I just did it because they recommended age 50. You should do this. And you, you probably should. And if you have a strong family history of colon cancer or something like that, you probably should do it maybe even earlier than that. So I got it done 50, clear bill of health, uh, unremarkable. I get it done at 61, and uh, that's where my problem was. It was in the colonoscopy. I uh, rolled out into the recovery room. I was still kind of dazed. I could hear nurses talking. And my wife had asked the nurses, what happened? What did you see? Well, we saw something abnormal. 
abnormal. They didn't want to say. They're really not allowed to say what they actually found. I worked endo for over a year, and I remember the first time I saw colon cancer. On the big screen there, I, I said, pull back to the dock. I said, pull back, pull back the scope. Go back, go back, stop, stop. Clarify. Do the wash. Okay. All right. What's that? That doesn't look good. And when you see colon cancer for the first time on screen, you'll always remember it. It's amorphic. It's got a dark color. It looks bad. And you know right away that's, that's cancerous. That's not good. That's exactly what these nurses had seen and were afraid to, to say anything to my wife. They were waiting for the doctor to actually come out and say, this is what we found. And I can respect that. I understand that. It's, it's, it's a shocker coming from the nurses. It would be a shock coming from the doctor. Uh, but when I woke up, I was still groggy and I was asking questions with my eyes closed. And, and uh, the, he was answering my questions and telling me what they found. And they found a, uh, an area in my ascending colon, my right ascending colon, that was uh, definitely looked like cancerous. Of course, it will be sent to pathology, but uh, a sample. And the lymph nodes associated with that region were also uh, enlarged, enlarged. Didn't say they were cancerous, said they were enlarged. They didn't have different color, they were just enlarged, like something was going on there. So basically, all sent to pathology, came back on Tuesday, and that was a Saturday. The Saturday, I came in, came in, Sunday was the procedure, the actual colonoscopy, and Tuesday, I had the definite confirmation, 100% same from the lab, yes, it's cancerous. So I met with a surgeon, Got me all prepped, um, ready to go for Thursday, surgery on Thursday. And if you've ever had any of these these procedures prior to even doing the uh, the colonoscopy, of course you have to clean the bowel out, and you've got choices of mag citrate, but they usually don't use that very often anymore. They use a, a, a big gallon jug called Go Lightly, and whoever named it Go Lightly actually it must have been a comic. Because you do anything but go lightly, you go very heavy, and it, it does work. It cleans the bowel out, and it's nasty-tasting stuff. You have to drink a whole gallon of this stuff. So they gave me a couple hours to say, well, you have to have this consumed by midnight because you're MPO at midnight. So at five, like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they gave me this gallon jug and said, start drinking. you got till midnight to drink this. This is terrible stuff. So I, I found a new solution to drink this nasty go lightly, but uh, by mixing it in apple juice, and that way I could get it down. I got nearly half of it, uh, probably down, maybe three quarters of it down, completely clean bowel, ready to go here. Let's get this done. Went into the surgery. Uh, the surgeon actually came in my room the day before. Actually, he was out of the country. It called me from out of the country and said, I'm doing your surgery. I saw your notes. I saw everything. I can do this. Not a problem. We'll take care of it. I'll be back the next day or so. But he actually drew me a diagram of what he was going to do surgically. Remove this section, reroute this here and there, and I'll be fine. We're going we're gonna to take this all out. It had not metastasized anywhere else. Those lymph nodes, 7 of 15, were, were enlarged, definitely involved, cancerous. Uh, but they had not migrated out that out of that area there. So he said, I'm going to just take all of that out. I'm going to cut that out and fuse this all back together. And, uh, and then we're done. Uh, the other part of it, and I'm still batting this around. I won't meet with somebody to see my surgeon on Tuesday to take out staples. Um, 
of my gut wound here. But uh, as far as uh, chemotherapy, it's still up in the air. I'm not sure if it's necessary. I'm looking at other health care options, natural options. I don't like chemo. I don't like the, the thought of it. So I'll be looking at some other ideas of uh, possibly of that. I not I don't I'm not necessarily hooked on or sold on the idea that I actually need chemotherapy, but um, I'm not going to rule it out either. Be honest with you, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I'll tell you more about it as I know about it. Which is interesting. Some of the things I did learn about on my own health was a condition that I developed. As I lost more and more blood, there's two things I learned I did not know. And I think I taught some other doctors who had never heard of it either. But I early on, I started a condition. I came with a condition called pulsatile tinnitus. Very interesting. And essentially, you can lie down in bed, mainly when you're lying down. And you can hear the pounding of your heart through your ears. And it's very loud very loud it's it's a whoosh 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 you hear that all night long and i'm thinking geez i'd never heard that before it's like the ocean but it's not a pleasant feeling because i can really hear my heart beating and it's beating very very fast and the cause of pulsatile tinnitus is actually caused by anemia blood loss so it all made perfect sense that i had this condition my my heart was reacting all right i didn't have enough circulating hemoglobin and uh to actually grab oxygen to circulate and to oxygenate my tissues. That's why I was winded and tired all the time. You need adequate blood supply in order to carry the oxygen to, to give the oxygen to the tissues or you, you become very, very weak. So I had an anemia going on. So that's basically the pulsatile tinnitus was caused by the anemia, the blood loss. I also found myself having a severe itching problem with my skin, mainly all over my back, all over my body, but my back, like bugs are crawling on you. And that's another sign of anemia. Can't explain that one, but that's a sign of anemia also. Again, the low blood pressure from my baseline to what I had now, something was definitely going wrong. And the increased heart rate I had was to compensate for the low blood volume. If you have low blood volume, then you're going to increase your heart rate to get the pump going and actually circulate what blood you have to carry oxygen to your body, your organs. You're going to have to do it somehow. But again, I was in these, uh, my blood values were a critical stage. A hemoglobin of 6.1 and a hematocrit, I think it was 21.8. And if I had sat on that probably one more week, I probably would have had a myocardial infarction. I would have had a heart attack and died. So um, the only good thing I could see that when I was taking the, the cinnamonophen Q6 hours and the baby aspirin every day is you might say, oh, my God, the baby aspirin, your blood was thinner now and you're bleeding. Yes, I'm bleeding. But it got me to a point to become symptomatic enough to saying I need to get in the hospital now. Had I not taken the baby aspirin, I probably would have trickled, 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 trickled small and maybe in another couple of weeks been at the hemoglobin of 6.1 and hematocrit of 22. Uh, so I kind of advanced that stage of symptomology here that I'm now symptomatic and I got to do something about it versus wait another month. Uh, it's good that I, I guess in some ways that I found out it early and got out of there and got this taken care of. Um, 
It's a, it's, it's like I said, this has been a long, strange road. It's, it's nine days in the hospital here, and uh, I'm glad it's over. Uh, major pin cushion here. Jeez. You know, they, they, and here's, here's one of the dilemmas I, I end up having with, with my hospitalization this time. Of course, anemic, I need blood, right? I don't want any blood. I don't want any blood. You know, we've talked about that before, the spike protein, and I worried about the blood supply in this country because of all the vaccinated people. And now I'm here in this situation where I have critical blood values now, and I need blood to circulate oxygen here. I really do. So the first thing came to mind was I've seen enough of this in the hospital and I thought first thing came to me says well let's uh, how about um how about some iron supplemental iron IV get it in my body here and see if we can stimulate the bone marrow to produce red blood cells how about that he said that'll take 2 weeks to actually get you where you need to go you need blood now So I said to my doctor and I explained to him my hospitalist and he understood 100%. He really did. This guy, I gave him an RBN card. He understands about the fraud of COVID. He understands spike protein. He understands the increased cancer we see now in the hospital. This guy got it. I love this guy. He was my hospitalist. Nice guy. I actually ended up giving about 10 cards out. So I'm in this predicament. It says I need the blood. I don't want the blood. What am I going to do? This is a gamble here. This is, um, this is Russian roulette here for me. I don't know what to do. Wife understands the same situation. What do we do? I don't know. I don't know. Grab me, give me my cell phone. Give me my cell phone. I text. I call first. Didn't answer. I text Dr. Peter McCullough. I said, I'm in a situation here. I'm in trouble. I need your expertise. I'm worried about this blood supply. I'm worried about spike protein. I need the blood. What do I do? He texted me back. He said, Steve, take the blood. Take the blood. He said, the early on, when everybody was on board with catching, you know, getting all the shots and the boosters, he said the blood supply at that point in time was probably tainted with spike protein. And that was the time you don't want blood. We've learned a lot since then in, what, three years, and people have stopped taking the shots and boosters. So essentially saying that it's a gamble, but I think it's a good gamble to take, and you need the blood, so take it. Because that blood supply that you were talking about, we are all worried about, it's probably already been gone through already. And so what you're getting now is blood that's from unvaccinated people. So... Uh, you're in a bad situation. My suggestion is take the blood. I took the blood. I took three three units of pack cells. And uh, it's amazing how much better you feel when you have some blood circulating around your body. Your heart rate goes down. Your blood pressure goes back up to normal. And your oxygenation and your, your color all comes back. But still not out of the woods yet. And uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back. And I'll get into definitely some more news of interest other than my health care predicament but i just wanted to clue you in what the heck has been going on with steve elkins so stay tuned
For the past 14 years, it's been my privilege to host the National Intel Report on RBN, to offer a platform to interview exceptional guests, to provoke critical thought, and examine evidence, whether real, fake, or somewhere in between, and allow our audience to call in and participate with your input and questions in order to help us all reach an educated decision and arrive at our own truth. Our world has changed. It's now been turned on its head. Real is now considered fake, and mainstream fake is now pushed as real, rather Rather than than any any clear clear thinking, thinking, consensus, consensus or or rationale. Those few remaining beacons of light, the ones still shining through the mainstream media lies, propaganda, and deception, are being viciously attacked at every level through attempts at censorship, threatening advertisers, jailing hosts, and even killing journalists brave enough to speak the truth to you. We are in a war for our very freedom and existence, and through these despicable acts, freedom haters, collectivists, and communitarians have shown they will stop at nothing to blot out these last few beacons of light. Truth is becoming increasingly more difficult to unmask, just as the term unmasking itself is spoken by those usually anonymous sources. They promote their lies, wishing to mask the truths by ignoring it, vilifying it, or conspiratorializing it into a black hole abyss. Regrettably, RBN has reached reached the the tipping point, point, and through internal audit and actuarial review, it has now been determined that the only life raft of survival to this network is to go the way of PBS, that being audience-supported like a cornered animal, the left with veracity is pulling out all the stops with every effort to effectively blacken our beacon forever. Help us, folks. Help yourselves. Don't let our light stop shining. Our motto has always been, because you can handle the truth. It's time to review your budget, folks. If you want the truth to keep flowing through RBN, go to republicbroadcasting.org and become a regular monthly donor of 30, 40, 50, or 100 or more a month and ensure you keep the truth flowing. Hi, Tom Bolton for EaseOff. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. say thank you to all the listening audience. I received a lot of emails in the time I was hospitalized, and uh, I appreciate those those emails of inspiration. Hold your head up. Keep fighting, Steve. Um, 
at a time when I really needed it. And uh, thank you, thank you so much for your prayers and your and your well wishes. I I really do take that to heart. Uh, this is an RBN family. I really feel very comfortable in saying that. Uh, I'm not going to get emotional here, but I really do mean what I say. Uh, this listening audience is is something special to me. And uh, Steve Stars, thank you for stepping in and helping out, taking over the reins here when I was sick and down and out. I appreciate you bringing the shows to the to the network and doing a great job. I did uh, stay a little bit involved while I was in my hospital bed, bored out of my gourd there, um, lining up some some guests for Steve Stars, uh, Virginia Farver, and uh, bringing back uh, Kurt Stryker again, talking about uh, the fraud of global warming. So between that and 5G, I thought there's enough interesting information there to bring him back. And uh, so uh, make it a little easy because uh, Steve Starr does his own show through the week and especially on Monday. So I thought yeah, he can just um, play, put the suspenders on, be uh, Larry King for a little while here and just do a great interview. And he did a fine job. So thank you, Steve Stars, if you're listening. I appreciate you. You've come, you've, you've batted for me several times before. Uh, I'm being out and sick. Uh, this was a big one. This was a big one. Like I said, what a long, strange road I have traveled. Nine days of hospitalization. I got to a point where I thought to myself, I, I've done everything right. I exercise. I take care of myself. Weight. Uh, I don't overindulge in anything. I don't smoke. and drink very little. Um, I take care of myself. I pride myself in that. As a nurse, I have always thought uh, the best way to teach medicine, to be an ambassador of medicine, is to live by what you preach. Uh, you know, you, you, you see these people before, and I've seen this before. It's it's quite embarrassing, but you'll have a heavy set nurse, and, and she'll be more than just a little chunky. She may be in the obese category, coming into your room, talking to you about diet and exercise and how you can become healthier. Well, you're not a very good ambassador for health when you look like that. So I, I didn't ever want to be in that situation. I never was. Always taking good care of myself health-wise. So I laid there in bed after finding my diagnosis. I have a stage 3 cancer. It's all been localized in this area here. We're going to take the section of that colon, the right ascending colon. We're going to take that section out. It's 7 centimeters. We're going to take it out. We're going to take these uh, lymph nodes all out with it. We're going to just pretty much bring it all back together. We do the chop out the old bad stuff and bring it all together, anastomosis, and you should be in good shape. And then we'll see from that point on where we take this with if we have to do anything more than than that. I laid there in bed and I started thinking to myself, I know people who abuse their health. I mean, seriously abuse their health. They drink a lot drink two or three drinks, maybe even four drinks a night, stiff, hard drinks a night. And it's like nothing. It's, it's seven days a week. They don't exercise. They eat whatever they want. And here I do just the opposite. I take care, care of myself. And here I'm lying in bed, and I've just been given a, you know, a diagnosis of colon cancer, stage three. So I, I, I thought to myself, why? Why me? You know, why? I was puzzled. I was very angry, upset. I still am a little bit. 
but I don't hold anybody accountable. I don't, I'm not beating myself up over that I did something wrong. I didn't have unhealthy lifestyle to bring me into the situation. And I threw this at my hospitalist, the guy who gets everything what's going on in the world here. We talk major politics. Outside of medicine, we talk politics. This guy, he just said, I love it. I love talking to people like you because you know what's going on. He knows what's going on. And I said to him, so what happened to me? What happened? Why? He said, Steve, there's a lot of chemicals in our food sprayed in the air, the water, contaminants everywhere. They're poisoning us everywhere. I said, oh, my God, this guy really does get it. So I turned him on a whole bunch of different things as far as Agenda 2030, Klaus Schwab, the Great Reset. I, I, we just, I had a lot of fun talking to him and educating him. So he took a little bit off my mind here. The guilt is saying, did, what, did, I, did I do something wrong? And he said, you were just born with the genes. You know, your father was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 70, just by accident, too. He actually had a colonoscopy, had no symptoms, no problems whatsoever. And they found a, a polyp, evidently, a couple polyps, and they were cancerous. And they just basically excised it, tattooed the area. That was at age 70. My father lived to be 95 years old. And they went back at year one and year two, I think in year three, cancer gone, never came back, never came back. They got it early stages. So my father lived another 25 years of a pretty good life. So I'm looking at the same situation here. Uh, I can't blame myself of anything other than maybe having some genes and you can't pick your parents. So that's the way it is. I wanted to share a, a little story with you uh, about having positive attitude. After everything I've been through, I, I could have the worst of attitudes. I could have a very negative attitude, and I'm not. I'm going to have a very positive attitude that my my treatment, whatever comes after the fact of the surgery here, I'm going to do fine. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to continue to be a thorn in the side of my enemies for a long, long time. I want to live long enough to see these people pay the price through the judicial system, if it's cleaned up, and I hope it is, and set up, put on trial, and if death is the the outcome for a firing squad, then so be it. For the genocide, for the wrongdoing they have done to humanity with these vaccines, these mandates. We come back. I'm going to share that little story with you about having a positive attitude, and then we're going to get into the news and open phone lines. Let's uh, let's get back to normal here. Stay tuned. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Don't become dependent on the medical system. Get and stay healthy naturally with Extendivite. Metals in the liver cause peroxides to get dumped into the bloodstream. 
peroxides do more damage than free radicals to the arteries, and the LDL has no protection from peroxides, causing the LDL to get stuck in the arteries, creating a potential blockage. Extendivite slowly chelates the metals away from the liver so it can dispose of what was meant to be a harmless process, peroxide. Extendivite 7 Herbs has a job to strengthen the organs and circulatory highway. Can you afford a heart attack? Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultation are free and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. We can all expect to pay more at the pump again. I'm Peter Serafine with another Liberty Minute. I carry a gun to protect those around me. I'm a member of Right to Bear to protect my legal rights. Use code LIGHTHOUSE at protectwithbear.com for affordable carry insurance. Yesterday, the average price for a gallon of gas was $3.50. Also yesterday, OPEC Plus announced that beginning next month, they will be cutting oil production by 1.15 million barrels a day. The announcement, let alone the production cut, are certain to cause gas prices to rise even higher. Remember, gas prices go up, so does the cost of everything else. Between inflation and gas prices, cost of living is getting out of control. For the sake of background, don't forget that on the day President Biden took office, the national average gas price was $2.39 a gallon. For more news and commentary, visit liberty-lighthouse.com. Until next time, see this Pashem Parabellum. story I was talking about was positive thinking here. Going back to the year 1998, there's a band, a smooth jazz band, a, a duo from Germany called Acoustic Alchemy. And uh, the main 
duo there is Greg Carmichael and Nick Webb. Great, great music here. I've followed them for years and years, going back to, I think, a year 1987. When they made their way to America by playing for entertainment on, I think, American Airlines. They were part of the entertainment, and they landed somewhere in L.A. and uh, evidently gave a demo tape to somebody in the music business who said, hey, we like your stuff, good stuff. And next thing, they got a record deal, and uh, now they're no longer doing the entertainment on the transatlantic flights to the United States. But uh, this duo, Greg Carmichael and Nick Webb, are were amazing, amazing collaboration here. And uh, back, I think it was right in 1997, Nick Webb, the guitarist, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if you understand pancreatic cancer, it's a very, very aggressive cancer. You've got weeks to maybe maybe a couple months, if you're lucky, once you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's that aggressive a cancer. He's a very young man. He was in his 40s. And uh, he was not done yet. He, was, he knew he was going to pass away. He knew he wasn't going to live for very long. And uh, they didn't stop him from actually saying to Greg Carmichael, let's get back in the studio. Let's get some work done here. We got another album to put out. And they did. They got back in the studio, and in between treatments of trying to buy more time with chemotherapy, Nick Webb, in between his treatments, when he was feeling better, he would get in the studio with with Greg Carmichael, and they'd lay down a track or two. Getting sick again, i, I got to end this session. I'm going to go home, wait a couple days. He'd come back and said, let's do it again. Let's lay down the track or two down. They did this for a while. And uh, I think within a month or so, a month and a half, got the CD done. Actually got it done. He started getting worse and worse, and he would not see the release of the CD. But before the CD was to come out, it had to have a title. It had to have a title. And Greg said to Nick Webb, he said, Nick, what do you want to call the CD? This was going to be Nick Webb's last project, musical project with his collaborator, Greg Carmichael and Nick looked at Greg and said, let's call it, let's call it positive thinking. Positive thinking. Um, You're faced with your death and you can come up with positive thinking. Pretty amazing. He named it positive thinking. It was released two weeks after his passing. A fine CD. Actually, we'll, we'll play it for a bumper here sometime soon. And uh, uh, he could have named it anything, anything. But even in his death, in the wake of his death, he knew it was coming, that he would still leave this world and he would still be in a positive mindset of positive thinking. Maybe because he thought of his music, the, the happiness it would bring him, bring other people even though he was not going to be here. And their music is amazing music. If you haven't uh, discovered acoustic acoustic alchemy yet, then you should. Um, a fine band still to this day. Even with the passing of Nick Webb, Greg Carmichael took a little time off, hiatus, came back, and is back in the studio, and they've put out many, many CDs since the passing of Nick Webb. But I just thought that's a, an interesting story to share with you, that... Um, in his fate of death coming, his pending death, that he came up with the title for his new CD, the, the last CD, his last project, would be called Positive Thinking. 
That's where I am right now. That's the only place I can be in positive thinking. I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter. My mother, I think, is having more of a problem with this than I am right now. Uh, she's concerned, you know. But that's that's parents. That's a mother for you. And uh, I told her I'm the fighting fighting kind, uh, the fighting spirit of the Elkins, and I don't give up. You know me. I'm a, I've always been an athlete, a fighter, so I'm going to be around for a while, a long while, long enough to be, a again, a, a thorn in the side of my enemies and to see the day that I actually see these people that have brought on the, the genocide through their, their vaccines and their boosters and uh, killing off our food supplies and the shortages and everything they've been doing to to bring down this world's population. I want to see justice done. I want to be here. I want to be around for the fight. The fight that we're going to be having, and I know it's coming. You know it's coming. I thought about the other day when I see all these catastrophes happening around the country here, these these disasters, these weather disasters, everywhere you look, a, a weather disaster here, a huge storm dropping, what, 25 feet of snow and more snow than you've ever seen before. And this is all abnormal. Yes, it's abnormal because this is geoengineering. This is weather modification. Dane Wigginton is on track with what he's proposed, what's happening here in this this world. They have the ability to manipulate the weather, change the weather, make the weather. Just the other day in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 25 inches of rain uh, fell down in, in seven hours. 25 inches of rain in seven hours. Major flooding. Never seen this before. No. And we're not even in hurricane season yet. Not till June. I know this stuff has been manufactured. I know it is. Well, in the drive home the other day, I was thinking about this government plan of weather modification, and yes, government is very much involved with HARP, funding it. They're all behind these things, these manufacturing of storms, tornadoes, you name it, they can do it. They're doing it. Along with factor in that, the weather catastrophes, the weather crisis, factor that in with depleting and taking out our food sources and you're going to have people that are very dependent upon the government, and that's exactly what they want. Government control over the people through crisis and starvation, famine. That's exactly what they have planned for us. If you haven't been stockpiling and starting to put some food away, protein, powders, everything you can think of, if you haven't started yet, it's a little late, but you better get started on it anyway. Just, just get going on it. I think this listening audience gets it. They understand it. And they've been prepped and ready to go. Just the other day, uh, what what else did they take out of circulation? Oh, let's say 18,000 or was it 20,000 cows, dairy cows in Texas died in an explosion. They're blaming it on methane gas. Oh, come on. We've always had meth, methane gas from cows farting, and that's nothing new. So tell me there's a buildup of methane. What? It was some guy, a Mexican worker, sitting back, put a cigarette in his mouth, lit the cigarette, and blew the place up? Is that what you're going to tell me? You're going to tell me that BS lie? No. There's always been methane gas with cows and sheep and all kinds of animals, mainly cows. 
And there's always been that thing that we need to do to make sure we don't have gas buildup and explosions, and that's to ventilate. They've always ventilated these places. And there's, so this whole excuse of now, for some reason, it just happens, is, is total bunk. Okay? It's bunk. They're taking out your cows. They're taking out your beef cows. They don't want you eating cows, and they don't want you drinking milk. They're taking out your milk supply, too, which then comes to the cheese and the yogurts and the cottage cheese and the butters. They're taking out all these things for a purpose. They're going to take these things out of circulation in your dietary. They want to damage, impair your immune system. And then they're probably going to release something else. Something they're going to probably call it the Kraken. I don't know. They're going to release something else that's going to target people who have protein deficits, who have weak immune systems now. This is going to happen within probably the next six months. I wouldn't be surprised. They're taking out our protein sources. Just the other day, Tucker on his show talking about they want us eating bugs. Klaus Schwab wants us eating bugs. Let me tell you something. That fat bastard's not eating bugs. That fat bastard's probably got a walk-in freezer, refrigerator the size of a restaurant. He's got his cows. He's got his, he's got his mutton. He's got everything he wants. This guy is not eating bugs. They want you to eat bugs. Bugs are probably laced with pesticide. Or maybe they've actually genetically modified the bugs. Maybe they're messenger RNA bugs. Maybe they're bugs that will bring disease. That's possible. Going to have us eating the, the mice and the rats next after the bugs, I guess. This is all purposeful. This is all by design. I, I understand it. I think you do also. And take precaution and start right now putting stuff aside. Because this isn't over yet. These guys are not going to deter from their agenda of taking out our food. I mean, has anybody in the mainstream media really looked at this and said, geez, what, a, what an odd thing. Warehouses are burning down with food. All these food areas, these agriculture, the, it's being flooded. It, the, the, the topsoil has been taken off. We're ruining agriculture. We're, nobody else is talking about this. Nobody is showing, uh, saying anything about this is all just happening. It's just, oh, it happens. It's just, things like that just happen. No, they don't just happen. These were created. These situations have been manufactured to destroy farmland, to take away your farm animals, to push you into a dependence on government. Flat out, that's all it is. And they'll decide how many they want to keep of you. We'll keep a few of you around. We need some some worker bees to take care of some things, but the rest of it, we really don't need you. Uh, Patrick Wood, I think it was Patrick Wood, his, his book on technocracy, The Trojan Horse, he was right on, he was spot on. If you have the ability to do technology, to to build machines, to take away humans' jobs, then you don't really need the humans anymore. You don't have to worry about the human calling in sick. The, the robots, uh, the machinery can't do that. You don't have to pay health insurance. There's no sick time off. There's nothing. I mean, you don't have those – you don't have the, the wages to pay, you know? 
this there's the the benefit of going into this technocracy for these corporations is we can take care of the job, get it done, do it well. We don't need you. We don't need you anymore. So we don't need you anymore. We don't need people mouths to feed. We just must find a way to maybe humanely get rid of you. I don't know how that you know. Let's let's get rid of. You. We don't need you anymore. It's not a purpose for you. So let's get rid of ninety percent of the population. We'll keep ten around, and then we'll start the rebuilding process, uh, and allow people to replenish again. Maybe, of course, it'll be the elites only that will be replenishing the earth, and the rest of us won't be in that category. So all these things happening, they are not by accident. The taking out of our food is not by accident. It's all very purposeful. One last thing I want to leave you with here that I'd learned uh, about my hospitalization was that healthcare is in trouble. I think that's the best way I can put it. It is in trouble. Let me give you a little example here. All the nurses that saw me on my floor were all very young nurses. I think many of the nurses were chased off by the vaccine mandates or fired. Those who didn't have my my medical religious exemption, I guess. But uh, they were fired or, or dismissed. And so you had a lot of green people here in the industry here. What I did find out was everybody I talked to, all my nurses, I'm just curious what your expert, you know, how, how many years you've been in this, in, in healthcare, how long you've been questions, just random questions. And a lot of them were within a year or two of having graduated. They were graduates. And I found out just by watching them do their assessments on me that they were not trained correctly. Their head to toe assessment Lacking. I don't even think I'd give it a C. I'd probably give it a D. They had not been taught well. And so I did a little further research about your education, where you went to school. Well, it turns out most of the nurses, actually all the nurses I spoke with, were cut short in their education because of COVID. They did not get to experience hospital clinicals in any setting. And so everything they're learning now is on the job training. And of course, they don't have a very good education department to teach this many nurses that are deficient in their skill set. So what's going to happen? These nurses that were practicing on me, and many of them I stopped many times and said, no, 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 you're not doing that. You're not doing that. I'm not going to take that medicine, and I'll tell you why. I did my own little education. I was their instructor. And I taught many of them. They all scratched their head and goes, I didn't learn that. I didn't know that. Well, yes, because you didn't go to clinicals. So we'll talk more about that. And then we'll get into the week's news. We got lots of stuff here. Lots of stuff. Lots of woke stuff. Stay tuned. sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. 
With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Healthcare industry is in trouble. Getting back to my experience here, I had talked to a lot of the nurses, and they had all been cheated on their clinicals. Or one of them told me that they actually had one clinical day, and that was canceled, and that was it. You got a lot of clinicals in your last year. I mean, you go to psych rotation, you go to med surge, you go to the OR, you go to all these different places, and you learn procedure. You learn all these different tra- uh, trades, things you need to do, these tasks and with rationale why you're doing them. These nurses I came in contact with did not have experience. They did not have experience, and they admitted it. I don't have it. And so I, we're going to learn it. Now I, I'm going to learn it on people like you, I guess. Um, it, it's scary. It's very scary. I, even one of my nurses said he was terrible in school. He did terrible on tests. And I figure, how'd you pass? How'd you possibly pass? Here's what happened. The nursing schools under pressure because of the industry itself. Nurses were getting either fired or they were leaving because they were not going to put up with these these mandates for these COVID shots and boosters. They left the industry, and there was a huge vacancy and hold. Now the nursing schools are saying, what are we going to do? Well, everybody must pass. Everybody must pass. Give them a participation trophy, and they'll get out there, and they'll work, and they'll figure it out. And on the job training, maybe that's what they'll have to rely on. Or the hospital itself will have a have to beef up their education program and actually do a lot of remedial teaching in the hospital of how to do this, how to do that, how to do this. Um, <coughs> excuse me, a cough. Uh, it was sad. It was very scary. I had a nurse that was hanging fluids on me, IV fluids. And here's the situation here. I just received blood, three units of blood. I had critical blood values on my hemoglobin, hematocrit. And uh, last thing you want to do is tank somebody up with a lot of IV fluid, and there's a reason why. You get what you call a situation, what we call a dilutional blood count, dilutional. You've diluted down the blood with IV fluid, and now you can't tell if the person's still bleeding or not. So they want to hang this fluid on me. They want to hang it at a certain rate, going too fast. And I told them, I said, not a good idea. Put it at maintenance, which is 30 cc's an hour. That's what you need to do. Other than that, you're going to dilute me down, and we can't tell if I'm still bleeding or not. In that case, they would probably overload you again and give you some more blood, but I had to educate them on the dilutional blood values. 
it all made sense. Oh, I didn't know that. Never learned that. Well, that's because you didn't go to clinicals and you didn't do your rotation in an ICU, which you should have done. Everybody does something in ICU and ER. You learn about these things. You learn about critical blood values. You learn about hematocrits that are super concentrated, which means dehydration. And you learn, learn about dilutional blood counts from overhydration. These are easy things to understand, the easy concepts. I'm teaching them to nurses who are taking care of me. Very sad. I got a bowel with nothing in it. I've been cleaned out with Go Lightly. There's nothing in my bowel whatsoever. And a nurse brings me a colace, a stool softener. Are you serious? There's no stool. I just got cleaned out for the procedure. There's no, there's nothing. Oh, yeah, I guess there wouldn't be, would there? You drank that whole gallon of that Go Lightly. Yeah. Oh, I guess that doesn't make sense to give you a colace. No, it does not. You know, it's just the little stuff like that. Then I started thinking also, not only were the nursing schools under pressure to pass everyone, pass everyone, which should never happen. In my program at IU, we had a washout. It wasn't real high, but we had people who just couldn't cut it. You're not meant to be a nurse. Either repeat courses or you're washed out, you're out of here. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. There, evidently, there's no washout because they're in such dire straits of missing people, needing people in the industry. We'll pass everybody. Congratulations. And the Board of Nursing would also help that and push you through by making the test so damn easy. If you didn't pass it, how could you not pass it? We made it easy for you. We need nurses. Very scary situation, healthcare. Don't get sick. Try not to get sick. Don't get hurt. It's going to be years until these nurses are properly trained. Second hour coming up. Stay tuned. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the Rotating Sponsors banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 